All information contained in this podcast is general in nature and does not consider your individual circumstances. You should consider the appropriateness of this information with regards to your individual objectives, financial situation and needs. Welcome to Sharing More Than The Sheets, a podcast to help you and your partner make better financial and lifestyle decisions so that you can both focus on the things that you love. I'm your host, Michael Curry, financial planner, green thumb, husband, and just dad. Today, we're talking estate planning, and with me, I have a very special guest, Nicole. G'day, Nicole. Hi, Michael. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much for being on this um, podcast with us today. Um, Nicole is my go-to person when it comes to anything legal, and over the years, as an advisor, Uh, with every one of our clients, we always discuss estate planning. Very rarely is it straightforward as to what a couple need to do or what they need to have in place to ensure that their wishes are carried out um, in the event of their death or disability. And it's a discussion that we have with clients and very rarely do couples even know what they need to do. So today I've got Nicole on the show to talk to us about some of the things that couples should be watching out for um, to help us expel some of the myths and I guess some of the perceptions that people have when it comes to setting up certain things like wills and power of attorneys. And I'm really hoping that you'll be able to get something out of it and potentially make some changes in your life uh, when it comes to the estate planning and what you have in place. So um, Nicole, if you can start off, I guess, just about telling us a bit about yourself, who you are um, and what you currently do. Yeah, sure. Um, I am the principal uh, solicitor at Curry Scott and Associates. Um, I'm sure you've all had a bit of a, a click in your brain saying, hang on, Michael's surname's Curry as well. Um, but no, Michael and I aren't related. Um, Definitely not. No, we just, um, we've just built a good um, friendship over the years. And Michael's my go-to when it comes to um, financial um, advice for my clients. So we've built a really good um, professional relationship together. But no, we're definitely not uh, related. Um, my firm is Brisbane-based, uh, but we do have offices in Sydney and Melbourne as well. Uh, the focus of the firm as a whole is, like Michael mentioned, um, estate planning which deals with wills and powers of attorney. And we also do things like uh, property and commercial business sales and purchases, leasing, um, anything to do with retirement villages. We also do a bit of litigation and insolvency. So we have um, a lot to offer um, based on your needs. Um, But like Michael said today, we're going to be going through um, estate planning, why it's important, and some of the common misconceptions um, that people have. Um, So yeah, I'm more than happy to go through that all with you today and hopefully um, put your minds at ease. And if we can sort of just sort of dig straight into it when it comes to wills, um, if you can sort of just explain what a will is, what it can contain, and I guess the mechanics of a will and sort of in practice, how it works. No, definitely. Um, So a will is a document that you create while you're alive. However, it's only um, accessible and being able to be used once you pass away. So it's a document where you put down the wishes um, in relation to your assets um, and anything that you own during your life. So, you know, you put down things like who you want to receive uh, your jewellery, you know, who of your family members you'd like to receive your superannuation or insurance and the contents of your home, 
your home itself and any cash that you may have in your bank. So anything really that you own personally in your name. Anything that uh, you have in your business, um, if you are a sole trader, then yes, it can also be incorporated into your will. However, if you have your business run by a different type of structure, like a company or a trust, you can't actually put your wishes in relation to who's to receive what in your actual will. There's a whole other process that we would need to look at to incorporate those things as well. And that's why we call it estate planning. So, you know, your will is literally just for you personally. And when it comes to your business and your other entities that you might have, we have to deal with that as a whole. Yeah. So, yeah, it's because that is a misconception that I come across a, f- a fair bit, actually, that, well, you know, once I've got a will, that's it. It covers everything. But, um, you know, in sometimes well, normally, actually, to the surprise of most clients, a will doesn't actually govern someone's super. No. Because super That's sits correct. outside, a, it sits in a essentially like a trust structure um, yes. and it doesn't form a part of someone's estate. So we'll discuss that in a bit later in this podcast, but there are certain things in place there as well that people can put, um, you know, to ensure that their super goes to the right place. Exactly. And you can incorporate and discuss it in your will, but that's why you need to have um, a a state planning specialist look at it because you need to work for, with people like Michael, um, for example, you know, to make sure that whatever we have in place with respect to your super in your will is actually uh, the same as what we are dealing with outside of the will. Hmm. What can happen if there is no will? Because I've I've come across situations where people, for example, will actually say to me that, you know, I don't really care if there is no will when I die, everyone could just deal with it. Um, Or sometimes people may not feel they need a will because maybe they're not I don't know, they don't have a big business or a house. They're not old enough. Mm. Yeah. So I guess if you can help us sort of touch on that area, because I feel like there is a bit of a misconception when it comes to that side of things. Oh, definitely. Um, So what happens if you pass away without a will is that you die intestate. So that's a legal terminology of someone that passes away without a will. What happens in that case, especially, um, I'm going to focus on Queensland, Um, because each state has its own rules. But, you know, for argument's sake, Queensland's uh, sake, you know, what happens is your family then needs to apply to the court um, or a loved one needs to apply to the court to actually get leave, which is permission to be able to administer your estate. So if you die without a will and it goes through that process and it goes to court, um, your loved ones need to actually apply to the court for Um, permission to act as your uh, administrator and then what actually happens with your assets is the succession act governs what happens so you know without going into too much detail and boring you with it but effectively what happens is if you've got a a husband or a wife first everything goes to them um, then your children uh, biological children from there it'll go to your parents um, if you don't have your parents alive then to your siblings and then it goes down the list um, all the way down to the public trustee, which is what everyone thinks happens automatically. Um, but no, that's only if they can't find um, a relative to actually inherit your estate. And there's also different scales um, within the legislation to say who can get what percentage of your estate. So the biggest thing to take away from passing away without a will is that it's going to cost your loved ones a lot of money because they need to apply to the courts. And the other thing to take away from it is that, you know, if there's certain people that you want to leave out of your will, 
completely or leave, not actually receive anything from your estate, you have no control over that because it's a succession act that governs who gets what and in what percentages. Mm-hmm. And from my experience as well, um, not personally, but with with a particular client that I'm thinking of, having no will, even though it's potentially very clear, clear cut as to who everything should go to, let's say it's just a husband and wife situation and there's no one else in the picture. In this situation, for example, it really delayed how long it took until things got sorted. That's correct. And, you know, the other thing is what if um, you wanted to leave, you know, you loaned funds from a family member that needed to get repaid. There's a good Mm. chance that won't get repaid if, you know, you have specific wishes about any personal items going to a specific person, you know, or heirlooms passing down through the generations. All that gets missed, which is, you know, quite important. And the other thing is if there's anyone out there like, you know, a child from a different relationship, um, or a sibling that would want to possibly contest, um, mm. you have no words. You have nothing to show as to why you have not included them. Um, you know, you don't want them to receive anything because the succession act just takes over and that's all that matters. Yeah. So your voice yeah. has no um, no waiting in this at all. Yeah. And there was a situation recently, actually, um, I think it was in the news where a de facto relationship, the court had ruled that somebody, even though, they were just dating over a period of time, sort of in a way was seen from the court's perspective as a de facto relationship. And suddenly somebody that the family didn't even consider, you know, would try to access someone's estate or try to Mm -hmm. claim part of it were actually successful and they were able to do it. Exactly right. So if you don't have something down in the form of a will, then yes, those are very, very real things that can happen. And they do happen. Yeah, literally. So literally someone that you least expect. Oh, Exactly Um, right. And also in these situations, correct me if I'm wrong, but normally the person contesting the estate, they actually have the best of intentions. It's just that they genuinely feel that they're entitled to something, um, you know, and, and this is, again, something I warn my clients about as well, that, you know, even sometimes people say, oh, my family's great. And I know everyone's, everybody knows what to do when I die or what they should take. Yes. There's other things that come into it. Like, for example, family members may there's partners people have wives and husbands and you know there's they get greedy they get greedy but but Mm. I I honestly feel that in my experience people actually feel they're just entitled to something you know so I guess a will sort of settles all that and just makes it clear from day one as to who should get what in that way and as to your reasons why as well and it's very important to see an estate planning lawyer who focuses on these things because not only do you have your will there's also ancillary documents that we have to put in place um, for reasons such as those you know um, if there's a child from a different relationship or Mm -hmm. you know if you've got a sibling um, who you're leaving out but you know they might get a little bit um, offended by it or their partner might get offended by it there's certain things there's processes we go through when we talk about these things with you to ensure that all all angles are covered to the best of our abilities to ensure that should something happen to you there's it's the least amount of risk on your estates and on that note then what about the the will kits you know because a lot of there's mm. will kits you can buy from the post office yep. there's you can, some people get stacked decks done up um you know, people sometimes some, you know, a couple can just write something down on a piece of paper and get some witnesses and call that their will. How does that what, work? Yeah. What issues mm. can that create? Yeah. Okay. So firstly, something is better than nothing. So if, you know, someone has a will kit, 
um, you know, because they're trying to save money, you know, to go and, you know, for seeing a lawyer and, you know, maybe it's out of their budgets. Something is better than nothing. So those will kits to an extent um, do the job, but they really only work in very, very, very uh, standard and simple circumstances. Um, the wording in your will means a lot. So the way you word your wishes also um, has a lot of impact on how it gets dealt with. So, you know, and that's why if you go to a lawyer to do it, they will know the right wording um, to reflect what your intentions are. Whereas if you just handwriting it yourself, you're not actually thinking about the implications of what you're saying um, later down the track. Things yeah, like sometimes, you know, um, capital gains tax, they don't consider what could happen with their home if they don't sell it within a certain period of time. Um, capital gains tax on the estate. Um, things like, you know, substitute beneficiaries, um, people that might contest uh, a what if, what if the guardian of their children passes away first? Do we, is there provision in there for a substitute? You know, um, are they going to give somebody a life interest in their home? What are the risks involved in that, the actual risks um, in real life? You know, making that person leave after a certain period of time, you know, those sorts of things. Um, there's lots of complications that can come in, and that's why if you see a lawyer to do it for you, they will do the job um, based on your circumstances. Each will, in my opinion, should be tailor-made to each client. I don't see a cookie-cutter approach to a will. So, yeah, you know, in, in short, the, you know, the will kits from the post office, like I said, it's something's better than nothing, but it's leaving the doors open for issues later down the track if issues are going to come up yes yes and and, and on that note a will when does a will expire and does it ever expire okay so you yeah so as soon as you create a will um it's valid until you pass away or until you make a new will because a new will will automatically revoke a previous will that's made so in short, your will can last. You can do a will now and then die in you know, 50 years' time and it will still be valid if you haven't made any changes. Um, in saying that, your original will is like gold. So you can't lose that document. Um, if you pass away and no one can find your original, then you're in a whole heap of trouble. You could be seen as passed away um, intestate. So that's, again, without a will. So if you have an original will in your possession, make sure it's in a very safe place or you keep it with your solicitor um, in their safe custody or in some sort of a safe place because photocopies won't cut it, unfortunately. These podcasts have been brought to you by Better Financial Planning Australia. To book a free 15-minute phone chat, visit betterfinancialplanning.com.au. And if you can tell us a little bit about testamentary trusts um, and how that work, because, um, you know, most of my clients have children um, and they have not always, but sometimes there'll be certain wishes that somebody wants to put in place for children when they pass away. Yep. No. So what a testamentary trust is, it's a trust that is created through a will. So you have your will, but the testamentary trust is created through that will. So testamentary trusts are less rigid than your standard will. They're more flexible, which gives the executor, which is a person that is managing your estate, um, more flexibility on how to deal with the assets and the beneficiaries. Um, 
I don't recommend testamentary trusts to every single one of my clients. It's only when it's quite necessary, when there's a large asset pool and a complicated family situation um, or a specific wish with respect to how it's going to be run. For example, you know, if say there's two children um, and they only want certain percentages of the estate to be released to those children at certain ages um, or at certain times of their lives, um, they can also be some capital gains tax um, and personal tax um, advantages for having a testamentary trust. Um, but they generally um, geared for clients that have um, a large range of assets and a lot of assets and different types of assets, things like shares, insurance, um, you know, lots of different homes and those sorts of things. So a large asset pool, they they geared for those sorts of clients because they're more in-depth and complicated and it gives the executor more flexibility to do what they need to do to ensure that the estate is administered within the person who's passed away's wishes. And and I guess um, on that note, when should when should someone consider updating a will as well? Um, is it because in certain situations, somebody might have children that they never had before well, when they set up their will um, or you know, apart from just when their wishes change, I guess, what would you say, and I'm sure there are more than the more points than the ones you'll mention, but what are mm. some of the triggers that, that would create the need for someone to get their will reviewed by a solicitor? Yeah, no, definitely. Okay. So there are, I'll tell you the main ones. The main ones are um, marriage and divorce. So the first one, marriage is quite an important one. If you've got a will, um, in place and you subsequently get married after making your will, as soon as you get married, that will um, is revoked. Okay. It's an automatic thing. So the second you get married, you need to do a new will. In saying that, I'm sure people are not going to want to go from the, you know, the registry or, you know, the church straight to the lawyer's office to go sign a new will. But you can pre-plan in those circumstances and go get legal advice prior to getting married and saying, I'm looking to get married and the lawyer, the lawyer that's preparing your will will make your will in contemplation of marriage, which means that upon your marriage, it won't automatically revoke the will. Yeah. So that's quite important um, to keep in mind. Obviously, when you get divorced, you know, you obviously need to amend your will to remove your former spouse. The other triggers are if you want to change your executor. Um, if, like you said, if when you made your will first, you had no children and you made no provision for children in your will, then it's time to update it to reflect guardians and actually incorporating those children into um, your your will to ensure that they receive a part of your estate upon your passing. So anytime there's an event that happens and you feel like somebody in the will needs to change, be removed or added, that's when your will should be um, amended. However, I do recommend to all my clients to just pull a copy of their will out every 12 months, have a good read of it to make sure that what is in the will is uh, reflective of their current wishes. And if it is, that's great, just pack it away. But if it's not, then have a look at amending it because you never know and what can happen. It's so true. And, and I'm, I'm sure whoever's listening to this is already thinking, I really need to get a will done if they haven't got one yet. So yes. it's, um, and it's really highlighting the complexities of a will as well, that it's it's not just that straightforward. It's like, oh, when I die, I want everything to go to my mate, John. You know, it's exactly there's, there's a lot more to it. There's so much um, to it. And on that note, like if in the event that somebody loses mental capacity, uh, we talk to our clients about power of attorneys. Um, and, and again, we talk to our clients about these things 
but we do obviously recommend they see a someone that's qualified like yourself to actually set them up because we can't set them up ourselves. Yes. Um, but when we talk about power of attorneys, a lot of people have never actually heard of a power of attorney before. So if you can sort of just explain to us what that is and what can happen if somebody doesn't have a power of attorney. Yes, um, of course. And then I think from there we'll probably move into a, a horror story, um, which I'm sure you've <laughs> You could probably write a book about them. I've got a few. Um, but just yeah, but just to share a couple of them with us, if you can, um, just about you know things you've experienced and what you've seen when it comes to wills and power of attorneys. Oh, definitely. Um, so, okay, so we'll start off with, like you said, a power of attorney. Um, it's a completely separate document to your will. Um, your power of attorney is only valid while you're alive. Okay, as soon as you pass away, the, the person or the people that you've nominated um, to act on your behalf can no longer act under that, uh, that power. In short, what a power of attorney is, is it gives someone power to make decisions on your behalf, okay? And mm-hmm. it can happen in a range of circumstances. Um, what I like to do with my clients is something called an enduring power of attorney. Um, but another type of power of attorney that you can have is a general power of attorney. So a general power of attorney covers your wishes with in relation to finances only. So they can, you know, make decisions with respect to paying rent on your behalf, you know, paying your bond, uh, taking money out of your bank accounts, um, dealing with Centrelink, dealing with anything that involves your finances, okay? Um, whereas an enduring power of attorney takes the same power given to them by a general power of attorney for finances, and then it also adds power to make decisions on your behalf for personal matters, things like turning off life support, um, putting you into an old age home, and those sorts of things, so dealing with your personal health as well. Um, And that's the reason why I like to recommend enduring power of attorneys to my clients because it covers them as a whole. It doesn't just focus on your finances or your personal health. There's a few circumstances when an enduring power of attorney can start. So with respect to the personal needs or care that you require, it's automatic that it only starts upon you losing capacity to make decisions for yourself. So that means that your attorney would need to get um, some sort of letter from your doctor to say that you can no longer make decisions for yourself. Um, Whereas the financial side of it, you can choose when that starts. So you can choose for it to start on a specific occasion, on a specific date, immediately, or upon you losing capacity to make decisions for yourself. So, you know, when you come to see someone like myself, I'll give you all the advice based on your circumstance. Um, and then we'll put the power of attorney together to reflect those wishes. And, you know, I normally say to my clients, it's a good idea to have a initial power of attorney to make decisions on your behalf. But what happens if they can't act for you? You need to have a substitute. So we also have substitute and backup um, powers of attorney. The other thing to know with powers of attorney, as long as you have got the mental capacity to make decisions for yourself, you can change that document at any time. So you can change your attorneys, swap them around, take them out, put new ones in, and even change the types of powers they can have as well. Okay. As far as horror stories are concerned, I'm sure you've got, again, I'm sure you've got a few of them. I do. Um, But if you can just share one or two, just probably something that just came out of the, something that somebody probably didn't expect. I've got a very good one in mind. Okay, so um, I do have a horror story that I'd like to share with you. It's It was quite confronting, um, but it just shows you why and why someone needs to have a will in place, regardless of what they own. Um, 
I do have a lot of people come to me and say, you know, I'm 20 years old. I've got nothing to my name. Um, I don't need a will. I don't have a partner. I don't have kids. You know, let someone else worry about it. Where, in fact, that's very, very wrong. Um, They've got money in the bank. Most of the time they've been working, they've got super. There's, you know, there's things you need to look at um, regardless of the type and the quantum of assets that you have. Um, so that's just sort of my little intro into my horror story, which I'd like to share. Um, a few years ago, I had um, a gentleman come in to see me to have his will prepared. And what had happened was he was he looked very healthy. Um, everything was okay. He came in and said, look, um, uh, my wife has passed away a, a little while ago. Um, her and I never got wills done. We both have a daughter, had have a daughter together. Um, his daughter was in her mid-20s at the time and um, he said to me he never had a partner. Um, he just worked hard his whole life and um, he felt now he probably just needed to get something in place because his family was um, sort of getting him to get his things organised because he just really didn't mind. He was of the mindset that if he passes away, what you know, so be it. Whatever happens, happens. So he came in, he gave me his instructions um, on his will, and I have it's common practice for me to have all my clients sign their instructions after I see them um, and sign them in the form of a will. Um, so basically to have a valid will, you need to have two independent signatures um, of witnesses watching you sign your will, and the will needs to be dated. Um, and you need to have... Um, an obvious uh, place that if the instructions were taken and there was no duress. Um, so that's just the legal side of it. But he came in, he gave me those instructions. We went through his whole um, life story, um, his family, his assets, what he has and what he'd want me to prepare for him. And we got assigned and he left. Prior to him leaving, he made an appointment to see me to sign his will, um, which was just a few days later, because I like to get my will signed um, very, very quickly after receiving the instructions, just in case something happens to um, the clients. What had happened was I received a phone call uh, from his daughter the day before he was due to come in to sign his will to say that he had passed away from cancer. Wow. And he never told me that he had cancer, so which was a very important point and something that I had actually asked him are you well are you unwell are you planning on doing anything extreme sports wise or anything like that and he never told me that he was unwell um so his daughter phoned me and she's quite frantic and um what had happened was she was you know quite concerned um you know that he did not have a will signed and I said to her don't worry you know we've got the will um something that we can use as a will that I can apply to the court for to get leave for them to accept it. Um, but, you know, your father mentioned that there was no, you know, relationships that he was in and no issues. Um, so I don't foresee it being an issue as long as none of those things pop up. Straight after the phone call from his daughter, I received a call from a mysterious de facto partner. Wow. To ask what he had left her in thickens. his will. It does. It really did thicken this time. Um, and she, this lady was mentioned to me as only a friend and that there was no romantic relationship. And I got a, a statement from him at the time to say that she wasn't um, anything important in his life. However, as his friend, he had left her um, a small amount of money in our version of his will that we created. But she had phoned us and asked what she was receiving as soon as she found out he's passed away. And, you know, until we got it through the court, we obviously couldn't let her know what was 
what was happening. But firstly, that was quite unfortunate to receive that phone call. Um, and secondly, if I had not had that will in place with him or that, you know, informal will that I put together in front of him, um, we would have been a whole world of hurts because this this gentleman had a large asset pool, um, many assets, lots of property, lots of money, and that could have gone very, very badly. And that lady yeah. could have received a large sum of money if she could, if she could have proved that he she was his partner and if that went to the court to decide we don't know how that would have went yeah and, and even if everything had gone to the daughter mm. the way the father intended it to in the first place mm. um, that would have been after months and months of a long pro- it was a long enough and- process Michael, it was a long enough process to do it with the court and having the will that i had if i didn't i yep. can guarantee you it would have been a lot lot longer and a lot more costly yeah yeah it would have been and thank god he actually got his will done because Another issue that I come up against, and this is even personally speaking, is that people put these things off. Like I've been telling Mm. clients to do it for nearly a decade now, Mm. and we just did ours about nine months ago. You know, so it's it's I find people put them off for a couple of reasons. Um, Sometimes it could be just the cost. Um, Sometimes, which isn't as much as people think. The second thing as well, it could be, I guess not knowing who to put down, um, mm. you know, as like a guardian for their children, or maybe they don't know who they want their assets to go to. It's all too hard. Um, all too hard, you mm. know. But the third thing is as well as I think people just put it off, like that they wake up in the morning, you know, when someone wakes up in the morning, they don't really expect to die. You know, they don't, exactly. pl- you know, they don't know when it's going to happen. So they think, oh, we'll just do it next week. And they sort of just procrastinate on it and it just gets delayed. And I guess these days our lives are busy, especially a family, things are going on. So it's, I guess it does take a bit of effort and willpower to take that time out of your week to go and see someone. But as you can tell, based on what Nicole's explaining to me, and this is to everyone that's listening, you know, it's normally it's one of those things you only have to do once, you know, and once it's done, it's done. And at least you've got that peace of mind that your wishes will be respected and carried out upon your death. So on that note, while we're talking about procrastinating and putting things off, um, when it comes to the experience I have with clients with their superannuation, something a lot of people don't realize is that a will does not actually govern super. So inside superannuation, there does need to be a nomination in place um, to state where their assets go when they die, where, where their super goes when they die. And there are a few different types of nominations as well that a lot of people don't know the difference between. So the most common type of nomination is called a discretionary nomination or a non-binding nomination. Um, These can normally be set up online. You could sign a form yourself and send it through to a super fund. And essentially just means if when someone dies, discretion is given to a particular person or people as to where their super goes. Because as I said earlier, a will does not govern superannuation. The other type of nomination is called a binding nomination. Um, These normally have to be updated every three years uh, with most super funds, if not all of them, except for a couple that I can think of. Um, These need two witnesses to sign off on these nominations. Um, And when these are in place, um, they are binding as long as they've been set up correctly and the correct people have been put down as the beneficiaries at the time and at the time of paying out the funds, but these are essentially binding to say that when someone dies, this is where the super goes. 
Would that be correct, Nicole? Do you have anything to add to that? Yes, no, that is correct, Michael. And that's why, um, as you know, whenever you, you know, we have a client that we're working with, we work together to ensure that the super nomination is um, the correct one for what the client needs at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And at the same time, um, if the client wants to, you know, mention super within their will, they can as long as it is um in line with exactly what their death nomination says because you can't have two conflicting things because that when mm. that's when problems come in. Um, so it can be mentioned in the will, but like Michael said, it's not governed by your will. That makes sense. And so just in summary, I think it's very obvious that it is important to see seek legal advice when it comes to estate planning. Um, it isn't something that you probably want to do yourself for the reasons we've discussed today. Um, Nicole, first of all, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. And I know who's listening to this will get a lot out of it. Um, hopefully it will get a few people to seek advice. Um, if people need to contact you, what's the best way to do it? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Michael. Thank you for having me on the, um, on the podcast. It's been great chatting to you about it. Um, the best way to contact me is, um, you can either look at my website, which is www.kslaw.com.au um, or shoot me through an email at nicole at kslaw.com.au um, or give me a phone call. My numbers are on the website and I'd be more than happy to have a chat to you about it. Um, I like to have um, an initial chat with new clients to see if it's something that I can assist them with. So it's a no obligation, no cost um, chat to see what we can do to help you. So, you know, if you have a question, feel free to reach out at any time. And um, and just to finish, finish off, I've got a bit of a theme happening. I love my dad jokes, Nicole. Um, so I've got a dad joke of the day to share. I can't wait to hear this. Okay. What do you call a can opener that doesn't work? <laughs> I don't know. A can't opener. <laughs> I've got more, but we'll, uh, we'll save the rest Michael. for later. Oh, that's funny. I know, I know. I know. <laughs> but uh, thank you so much again for joining us. And um, I hope everybody, again, has got a lot out of this. If you have any questions, please contact Nicole anytime or send us a message through our website, sharingmorethanthesheets.com.au. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on Sharing More Than The Sheets. Please make sure you subscribe to be updated with future episode releases. Please visit us at sharingmorethanthesheets.com.au to submit questions or requests for future podcast topics. These podcasts have been brought to you by Better Financial Planning Australia. To book a 15-minute phone chat, visit betterfinancialplanning.com.au.